All right, guys, welcome to the show. Thursday, November 17th, 2022. God damn, the time is flying. Already, like, late, mid to late November? Jesus. I'm not gonna lie, this is my, like, least favorite time of the year. It's horrendous. Like, the first couple weeks when you roll back the clocks and the sun's setting super early and every day is just cold and dark and cloudy and you want to sleep at 6 p.m. because it's, uh, oh man, it's terrible. Anyway, all right, enough of me bitching about my seasonal depression. Um, so there's a Republican politician from Texas, representative, who made an argument about weed that is probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. We're going to talk about that. In fact, I'm going to lead with it. We also have, um, this is a little late, but I still wanted to bring it to you guys. We have the right-wing commentator meltdown after Carrie Lake lost. Now remember, she went around peacocking, telling everybody, I know who's going to win, I'm going to win, maybe I already won, who even... <laughs> and then, of course, she shit the bed. And um, you have people losing their minds over it. And then later on, we're going to talk about the the question on everybody's mind now, which is, who would be worse if they won in 2024? Trump or DeSantis? So there's a lot to say about that. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get it started here. So Representative Pete Sessions is a Republican of Texas, and he was in some kind of committee hearing here. And uh, he makes a point about legalized marijuana, which is going to make you want to shove your dick in a waffle iron. Uh, if you don't have a dick, your your uh, pinky toe will suffice. Well, you're going to want to shove something in a waffle iron after you hear how dumb this point is. The product is being marketed. The product is being sold. The product is being advocated by people who are in it to make money. Slavery made money also and was a terrible uh, circumstance that this country and the world went through for many, many years. The product is being... So legal weed is bad because it makes money. We'll get to the slavery part in a little bit, but it's bad because it makes money. Yeah, but like almost everything in the society makes money. And I've never once heard them make this argument about anything else. You know, being on Wall Street, being a money changer, that's bad because you're just making money by pushing numbers around on a computer screen. He never said that. By the way, it would be based if he said that. <laughs> but he never said that. He never said it, any other profession. That's bad. Why? It makes money, bro. Like, it's astonishing that a Republican politician would make an argument like this because they usually believe the opposite, right? That... Yeah, you know, making money is what it's all about. You should make money. And nobody should be mad at you and punishing your success. That's another line that they use all the time. But now all of a sudden when it's weed, legal weed is bad because it makes money. Okay, so you want to make it like, what, a non-profit industry? You want to have the government sell it for, like, with no profit margin? Is that what you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> again, I'm just trying to figure out what you're thinking here, bro. So it's bad. Let's listen to it again. Uh, selling weed is bad because it makes money. And you know what else made money? Slavery. The product is being marketed. The product is being sold. The product is being advocated by people who are in it to make money. Slavery made money also and was a terrible uh, circumstance that this country and the world went through for many, many years. The so Again, almost everything makes money. 
So why is like what what a gigantic reach? Look, somebody selling weed and then consuming weed, I file that under the category of freedom. You're doing what you want and you're not hurting anybody else. The the example of slavery is literally the polar opposite of that. It's it's like the restriction of freedom. It's defined as the restriction of freedom teaching or having somebody who is property. It's a human being, but they're property. So it, you couldn't get a more uh, a, a scenario that's more polar opposites. Selling weed and buying weed, that would be freedom. Do you, people doing what they want to do, not hurt anybody else. Chattel slavery is, I've made this person my property. It's like they don't... At least give, at least make an argument that's going to make me pause for a second. It's going to be like, wait, hold on. Okay, whoa, weird. At least give me something. But this is like... Things I don't like are like other things I don't like. That's what I think. Okay? It's just, it's such a status quo bias. Would he say the same thing about uh, alcohol sales? Like, people who sell this beer make money. You know what else made money? Slavery. Would you make that argument? Is the CEO of Budweiser akin to a slave driver? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. How about hard liquor? Same thing? Same thing? How about, look, keep it real. Big Pharma, right? You know, Big Pharma makes money. By the way, they shouldn't, right? But Big Pharma makes money. You know what else made money? Slavery. So when I go and get my antibiotics, when I have an infection, that's kind of like slavery. I just, I don't, how do you deal with this kind of a mindset? You know, you're trying to do good for the country. You're trying to move us in the right direction. You're trying to implement good policy. And then you got some percentage of your colleagues just have like a literal cinder block where their head is supposed to be. What do you do about that? What do you do about that? I don't know. I don't know what to do about guys like this. Because clearly there's no like reasonable argument that's going to flip them. Like he's got this belief and it ain't changing, you know? Weed is bad because weed is bad. No, you know what's really bad? Locking people up for putting something in their body when they're not hurting anybody else. That's what's really bad. Funny enough, uh, locking people up <laughs> against their will is also slavery. <laughs> so again, his position he's advocating for is kind of more like slavery. You know, a lot of people... Okay, we have legal slavery in this country if you lock people up. Like, in prison... Slavery in many states across the U.S. is legal. They do get forced labor when you're in prison. So stop and think about that. He's comparing legal weed to slavery. When the reality is, having drugs illegal and then locking people up, when they use them or sell them, they literally end up doing slavery. So no, what is more like slavery is what we have right now. Your ideal system leads to more slavery. It does. So anyway... Hilarious irony at the end there, but also deeply, deeply disturbing. All right, guys, so uh, Carrie Lake was peacocking all over the place, acting like she already won the governor's race. Um, she was up in the polls like three or four going into election day, and then she lost. She ended up losing by, it was a tiny amount, maybe 0.7% or something like that, but she ended up losing. Why? Because she's fucking insane. She's one of the loudest election deniers. She's uh, cuddled up to Trump like nobody's business. And just like all the other Trump candidates, she got draxed. So um, here is 
the, the live reaction of this far right podcast, uh, Elijah Schaefer, this guy is, I've never heard of him until now, but this is glorious. And I think this shows you what's at the core of a lot of these far right influencers. Katie Hobbs is the projected winner. The race has been called by multiple sources as being completed. And the reason why it's been called is exactly what we've expected. And what Mark was saying was the fact that the races will always be called for the Democrat candidate when they've collected enough votes to win. And, and in many of these states, there are theoretically more Democrat voters than Republicans. That's why our founding fathers did not set up our republic to be a pure democracy. They don't want stupid fucking morons who haven't done shit in their life to be voting. All these, all this movement that the left uses, like on, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and go out and vote, vote. No, don't vote, you fucking idiot. Don't vote. You are stupid. You are a degenerate piece of scum. Your existence is menial. In fact, God loves you. Most of us don't. Your own family doesn't support you very much because you're intolerable. Your views are not well thought out. I can't. Other people are intolerable with their political opinions. Unlike me, my, I'm, I'm not intolerable. I'm, I'm very tolerable. Other people don't like you, whereas me, everybody, you know, people, people love me. I'm a real, I'm I'm a, I'm a hoot at parties. People love when I start ranting to them about stop the steal and how QAnon is correct. Jesus Christ, man. This, <laughs> this is crazy. It's not your SSRIs and your depression, your mental illness that is making you miserable. It's the fact that you don't live for anything. You stand for nothing. So everything gives you value. And you watch TikTok as a hobby. So your life doesn't exist in any real substance. So no, you shouldn't vote. I don't, how do you respond to any of this? This is just like angry, triggered, snowflake meltdown because your preferred candidate didn't win. By the way, this idea of going after people on the left, like none of you guys have any meaning in your life, whereas I have a lot of meaning because I try to get the con man uh, TV game show host elected and the weird anchor lady who can't shut the fuck up about stolen elections. I try to get her in power because so I have like really deep meaning. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm... I got purpose, bro. I got purpose, bro. Doesn't look like it, dog. Doesn't look like it. You know, people love to show the the videos of like the 2016 um, Young Turks election night meltdown when Trump won, and the right looks at that and ha 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 ha. We would never be this cringe. Ha 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 ha. What you thinking now, dog? What are you thinking now? I mean, look at this. Look at this. This is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is like. Two pathetic losers who've uh, gone all in on this cultish view of politics who uh, can't fathom the idea that the people they like might lose. They just can't grasp it. Everybody's got to agree with me because I'm me. Mm. Or not. Or not. Or people aren't buying your bullshit. You know, they say, oh, when Democrats get up, that's when they stop the count. Really? Then why is it that Republicans officially won the House? Weird that Democrats stole an election but didn't even give themselves control of the House of Representatives. Weird. Oh, Democrats stealing everything. Then why did J.D. Vance beat Tim Ryan in Ohio? Why is that? Hmm. Now, there aren't many examples of your freak candidates winning because they all sucked. But some of them did. Perhaps it wasn't stolen. Perhaps you're just deeply, deeply unappealing. But no, they can't, they can't, can't grasp that. Ironically, as they prove that they're not appealing people... 
their whole rant is like, you guys are unappealing and bad. Not me. I'm special. I'm precious. Mommy tells me my bum bum doesn't stink. She shouldn't have said that, bro. <laughs> shouldn't have said that. Get your shit together. All right, I got another one for you. Um, Charlie Kirk. This is funny. This goes from, uh, we're doing well to, I don't know, to what have we done? This is great. I love this. This one's a little more introspective than the other one. Counties in Arizona, it's usually this north-south vertical, like, blue sliver. <laughs> it's, like, all red to the eastern part of the state, and then there's just blue sil- sliver. We just, uh, we just tied that, which is great. It's really good. That's a good sign. And care, yeah, Katie, I think, I think Katie, Katie won that drop in Pima. Uh-oh. That's not good. Has to have happened. So, so let me get this straight. She's performing less than 10 points with Trump in Pima yeah. on the same sort of type of be- vote. Correct. Wow. So that, that, that's where she's at. Man, not only were tracking polls off, they were off by like six points. And that's this, incredible. Well, <laughs> this, this is like a blue can, wave scenario. I mean, uh, man, losing the Pima drop 12 points less than Trump. That hurts. But I'll tell you what. When was the last time Trump did a rally here? It was like early October. Yeah, but Trump, Trump should have come in September. He should have come the first week of September. And I'm, I'm shocked by some of these numbers, Wendy. I got to be honest. I mean, you, you know the state really well. You've been a grassroots activist for a while. The vibe on the ground was totally different than this, wasn't it? Yes. Well, we wonder now if we were in an echo chamber. Well, I mean, look, this I, is, I don't know. I'm the, just beginning to get some perspective. Look, look I, 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 I love that. Look, more credit to these guys because they're being honest. Like, damn, we were off, bro. Were we in an echo chamber? I need some perspective on this shit. The answer to that is yes, you guys were in an echo chamber. Absolutely. Right wing media ginned up the narrative. Inflation, inflation, inflation. Crime, crime, crime. All the right-wing commentators went all in on the culture war. Oh my God, CRT. Oh my God, trans in school. Oh, be afraid. <laughs> That's what they ran on. And you know what? Turns out that shit was way too online. It's like Matt Walsh the other day went on Joe Rogan's show and said, millions of young kids are on, uh, on uh, I don't know if it was puberty blockers or hormones or whatever. Um, and Joe was like, damn, really? And then Jamie chimes in and says, actually, it's... About a thousand a year. Millions versus a thousand a year, which was, it's like 5,000 in the past five years. Wow, that's quite a miss. It's almost like you're super online, you make shit up, and you do these moral panics. And uh, it didn't land. It didn't work. People think you're kind of extreme. Because, of course, the rest of the time, they can't shut up about the 2020 election being stolen. And, you know, there's the party that overturned Roe versus Wade. There was, the, there was a backlash, man. There was a backlash to you guys. I don't know, man. Were we in a bubble? You absolutely fucking were. Look, Carrie Lake was charismatic, but that's all she had going for her. Because outside of that, she was a literal demon. She was the most Trumpy of the Trump candidates. And we got three election cycles in a row now where it's a direct rebuke of Trump. So, look, at least they're more introspective in this one. Um, but it is kind of funny that it just occurred to them now. Compare that to, to what I do and what we on the left have done. The entire time I'm questioning from every single angle. I'm like, hold on, okay, yeah, we got inflation, we got crime, that could hurt us, the polls are showing, maybe it's going to be more like a red wave. 
I don't know, the fundamentals of the economy, only 19% say we're going in the right direction in this country. And so you're bouncing all these ideas off. And but then you go, I don't know, man, Roe versus Wade was overturned. And Joe Biden uh, did the student loan debt relief and, you know, fill in the blank, uh, all these complicating factors, which made it clear that it it could go either way. Michael Moore was saying blue wave and he predicted Donald Trump in 2016. And so you can't just dismiss what he has to say. All these in the last election, the special elections, it was Democrats who overperformed the polls massively in all of them. I don't know, man. I don't know. But them, it was all it was all systems go. We're going to win. It's going to be huge. There's no doubt about it. There's going to be a red wave. Everybody knows that. And then on Election Day, it's either meltdown and yell at uh, Democrats and say, I hate you like the other guys did or have a little bit of uh, a second of self-reflection. Like, I don't know, man. Were we in a bubble? Is that what was going on? The definitive answer is yes. So Senator Josh Hawley made some interesting eyebrow-raising comments after the Republicans got shellacked in the election. Um, Let's listen, and then I'll break it down for everybody. I think that this election was the funeral for the Republican Party as we know it. The Republican Party, as as we have known it, is dead. And voters have made that clear. And in particular, the folks who did not vote for Republicans in this last election were independent voters, working class independent voters, folks who voted for President Obama uh, once upon a time, folks who then voted for President Trump but stayed home this time. We are not a majority party unless we can appeal to those voters. I mean, look, that's true, right? He gets it right. But here's what's interesting about this clip. Hawley was one of the more vocally pro-Trump members of the Senate. And there's a little bit of... So we'll get to this in a little bit. There's a coup attempt going on. They're trying to topple Mitch McConnell and make a Rick Scott, the, um, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate. And Hawley has signed on to that. Hawley is pro... Rick Scott, or at the very least, anti-McConnell. And so Rick Scott is the hand-picked uh, Trump wing leader. So for Hawley to come out here and say the Republican Party is dead as we know it, um, you know, basically like it's time for change. This is crazy. We're losing the independence. We got to get him back, et cetera, et cetera. That sounds like what he's doing is criticizing Trump and the Trump wing, because it was Trump's candidates in particular who did the worst. Um, But ultimately, I don't think that's what he's doing. I think he's doing the opposite. I think he's more criticizing Mitch McConnell. And I think he's actually giving a total pass to Trump and the Trump types. Um, I mean, the most kind interpretation of this is he's actually talking about both wings. He's talking about the McConnell wing, the more establishment wing, and the Trump wing. Um, But I don't know. He has an angle, right? Like these comments in a vacuum are true. But if you get him to go, go into the specifics more, he would probably say something like, you know, the problem is is Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney and those types, and it's time for a new Republican Party that's more pro-working class, which is why we need Donald Trump and which is why we need Rick Scott as the uh, leader of the Republicans. Well, <clears throat> Rick Scott did the worst Medicare fraud in history. The guy's a con artist. He was running on raising taxes on the bottom 50% of the country. He was running on cutting Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid. So what Hawley is saying is accurate, but he's got an angle. And I think there's a reason why he didn't elaborate. If he elaborated, it would have sort of um, exposed his hollow talking points for exactly what they were. It, look, it's easy, easy to posture 
as anti-establishment and outsider and looking out for working class people and stating the, the facts, but the specifics are going to matter, right? The specifics of who he sides with in this coup attempt and um, if he supports Trump's, you know, run or even if he supports DeSantis's run, because DeSantis is 94% of the time voted with Trump. So, like I said, interesting comments in a vacuum, but the specifics matter. And I think he's kind of hiding the specifics on purpose because he's a politician who knows how to, like, plot his way around and play the game. So I asked you guys um, what I think at this point is a really interesting question, given the 2024 primary. I asked if elected in 2024, who would be worse, Trump or DeSantis? And you can see the numbers here. This is close. I mean, it's pretty close, all things considered, because most times I do a poll like this, it's just a blowout. It's like, you know, 80, 20, 70, 30, whatever. Uh, it's 45, 55. DeSantis wins 55%, at least of, you know, my Twitter followers say DeSantis would be worse in 2024. So, you know, look, I wanted to take some time and just explore this question a little bit and, um, you know, give my take on it. First, let's read some of the replies here. So Shuan Head says, DeSantis would be worse because he's a true believer and would get things done. If the GOP was smart, they would actually abandon Trump and get behind DeSantis, but they won't. Trump is an egomaniac, which is bad in its own way, but at least he's funny. Uh, Michael Rio Stover says, so does no one think January 6th was a big deal? Not that it almost collapsed our democracy or anything. It didn't, and it wasn't close. But the lie itself that the election was stolen was extremely destructive. Um, Michael says, DeSantis is just a more competent Trump. He's more dangerous, in my opinion. Max says, DeSantis would be worse in the sense that he could enact more right-wing legislation. Anti-union, agro on culture war shit, abortion weed, etc. Whereas Trump would be a more rapid acceleration towards dismantling the facade of democracy. I'm worried about DeSantis because I think he can actually win the presidency. It shouldn't matter if the Democrats were doing the things they promised. Okay, so in other words, not answering the question and attacking the Democrats. Uh, Trump, DeSantis, or Biden, about the same. Definitely don't agree with that. Uh, the Dems need a better candidate in 2024. Okay, I don't agree with that. So here's one of the facts I was going to bring up. Um, so DeSantis, when he was in Congress, voted with Trump 94.3% of the time. 94.3%. So they're nearly identical when it comes to policy. So then the question becomes, what else do you weigh in consideration? So I do happen to think DeSantis is more competent. Um, I think he has more broad appeal because he's not insane and a massive narcissist like Trump was. There was a time when Trump's aggression and unhinged nature and no filter kind of helped him politically. Now we're past that and it's actually hurting him. Um, so I do think he would get more done politically. So policy wise, I think uh, Mac is right in that you would see a lot more g be implemented from a right wing perspective on culture war stuff, arguably even on economic stuff, taxes and whatnot. Um, but, but, and I think this is a big but, with DeSantis, there's still at least a question if he would honestly go full fascist and say, you know, if he loses the election, like, no, I'm staying in, or raise doubt about the results of the election. You know, with Trump, you know for sure how he's going to respond, because he already responded. And by the way, it puts us in another pickle, right? Because now Trump is running again, 
And either somebody else wins in the Republican primary and he declares that it's fraudulent and he runs third party, or he wins and then he likely loses in the general and then he'll declare fraud again. So we're already in a fucking pickle, right? I mean, this is... So, in other words, look, when it comes to policy stuff, Trump and DeSantis are kind of identical. I do think DeSantis, though, would maybe get a little more done because he's more competent and he's not insane and he's probably better at building coalitions and things of that nature. But the area where Trump is worse is you know that he's going to go full fascist, full dictator, throw a, a hissy fit and say, no, I won, put me back in, coach, and honestly do overreach in ways that I actually don't think DeSantis would do because DeSantis might actually give some semblance of a shit about his quote-unquote legacy, right? Um, and so then the question is, what do you weigh more? Getting like, getting fewer shitty right-wing policies implemented right now, or the potential of more stability in the long run that perhaps if DeSantis loses, he'll just bow out like virtually everybody else. I mean, stop and think about it, guys. That guy Mastriano was a big election denier, um, was hardcore pro-Trump, big conspiracy theorist. He was at January 6th. Made it seem all the indications were if he loses, he's going to throw a fit and say, I won. And he didn't do it. He conceded. The only one who's raising questions is Carrie Lake. Even Blake Masters conceded. So what that tells me is perhaps my initial thoughts on like, well, I bet DeSantis would like, you know, question the election too if he loses. Now I'm starting to think that's probably not true, that Trump is kind of unique in that respect. He's one of very few people who's such an extreme narcissist that he questions it to this day. And um, so DeSantis, we don't know if he would lose and then question it, or if anything, I lean more on the side of like, he wouldn't question it and he would act like every other, you know, Republican president and just sort of bow out when the time is right. So I don't know. It's genuinely a tough question. It's genuinely a tough question. Honestly, my instinct, I've evolved on this a couple times. I feel like my instinct now is to say it's probably a wash or if anything, DeSantis is a little bit less insane because that big thing about democracy and our institutions and not destroying it for your ego, um, that might matter more and weigh more in my mind um, because if you get another Democratic president, you could reverse a lot of terrible shit that DeSantis might do policy-wise. But I feel like the Trump damage that's done, it's hard to put that genie back in the bottle. I think we were kind of lucky in this last election that there was only one, Carrie Lake, who um, really is pretending like there was election fraud, when 53% of the Republican candidates were on that side, right? So, or maybe does that contradict my argument? Because all these people might say it, but they never act on it. So... Trump, even Trump questioning it is just kind of uselessly flailing and it doesn't come to amount to much. So just the fact that he would get less done is probably preferable. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of, I can make an argument for either side. I guess I'll just say overall I'm agnostic. Um, it would kind of be a wash. I think, I just think they'd be very, very similar. They're different personality wise. They're different as politicians and candidates, but I think that functionally they would act very similar in terms of the direction the country has taken. Again, the only difference might be DeSantis is less insane and wouldn't throw a tantrum if he lost, whereas Trump clearly was still still to this day is questioning the last election. So the last thing I want to show you, I want to show you this. So Herschel Walker's son, Christian Walker, uh, did put this on social media, 
It's a, a breakup video with Donald Trump. And just look at the way that he talks about, because I'm asking you guys this question and we're talking about policy. Hey, who would be worse? Who would be better? Weigh all the factors. Listen to how he talks about preferring to Trump, uh, prefer to Trump, preferring DeSantis or Trump. Watch. So I'm going to make an analogy. It's kind of dirty. Just bear with me. I'm not usually vulgar on my page, but just hang with me. So I feel like politically we've been hooking up with someone and it was a good hookup. They did us good. It was fun. We were in this long-term toxic relationship. This hookup came along. It was fun. It was a rush. We had a great time, but now we're looking to start dating again for marriage. We're looking you know, the next step in life, we want to settle down. And so we, we've kind of got to tell the hookup, but the hookup wants to hold us hostage. And we're like, whoa, hey, had a great time. It was fun. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed your time with me. I'm just not sure you're who I want to like marry moving forward. I, I, I'm not sure I can commit that to you. And I, I mean, we never stepped in like we were like bound for life. That's where I kind of feel like we're at politically. One thing I want to add to that analogy <laughs> is we're not going back to the toxic relationship we had before we met the hookup. The hookup taught us a lot about what we want moving forward in marriage. We're just not sure if we want it with the hookup. Have a great time with you. We're not sure if your marriage material love a lot of things about you. We're not going back to our ex at all. We love lots about you, but, but moving forward, we just kind of want someone who is just maybe a little different. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Now in this analogy that I'm about to give you, we are all somebody who is blowing Donald Trump's little mushroom peepee. And coddling his little ball sack. That's, so this analogy, just keep that in mind. That's what we're doing here. And then DeSantis comes along and we go, Mmm, let me get a piece of that ass. Come on, man. Come on, dog. Come on, dog. What is this? What is this? It's just funny that this is how he's thinking about. So like Trump's like our wild hookup, bro. Trump is like, you know... He's wild, he's crazy, but he's kind of attractive. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of attractive. And so we do our thing, whatever, but then we think, maybe not marriage material. Maybe you want to go to the one who's more marriage material. Maybe the one who's a little more calm, a little more reserved, a little more uh, intelligent, you know? But we're not going back to our ex. The ex, of course, being like, what, the Republican establishment, <laughs> George W. Bush or whatever. We're not going back to uh, G-Dub. -G we're not going back to G-Dub. G-Dub did not know how to lay the pipe right. Uh, G-Dub was uh, randomly a serial killer. We didn't like that about G-Dub. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. What do you want me to tell you? <laughs> it's so funny. Not a single, not a single mention of, like, policy. You know. What are you going to do with these conservatives, man? What are you going to do? But look, I mean, honestly, it is a big sent it is a broad sentiment now on the right. You know, it is a broad sentiment. They're slowly but surely tiptoeing away from Trump. Uh, the commentary class, Fox News types, 
Um, you're, it's reflected in the polls now. There is sort of like a, hmm, okay, all right, we're we're out, bro, we're out. So, um, yeah. And my question to you guys, I asked who would be worse if elected in 2024. I didn't ask who would be easier to run against in 2024. Um, because that one, I, that question, I find the answer is really easy. Obviously, Trump is easier to run against than DeSantis. He's already a proven loser. Lost in 2020. His candidates lost three elections in a row, 2018, 2020, and 2022. So that one I don't even think is an interesting question. But anyway, there you go. Christian Walker, a nice analogy about uh, getting freaky with Donald J. Trump, the gelatinous blob man, and uh, DeSantis, his little mini-me. All right, guys, so this is getting interesting. This is getting interesting, if you ask me. Rick Scott to challenge Mitch McConnell for Senate GOP leader. Now, before we talk about this, let me mention, there was an attempted coup in the House as well. Some people were trying to replace Kevin McCarthy. Um, But they had the vote, and it was only 33 votes against Kevin McCarthy, which means it was like, what, 190-something in favor of Kevin McCarthy? So McCarthy is... uh, is going to be the leader of the Republicans in the House, the, the Speaker of the House at this point, because they just won the House. Um, so, and there were people like Matt Gates. I think he was he was uh, trying to replace McCarthy. I don't think he was running against McCarthy. Some guy named Biggs was, but um, Gates was speaking out against him. Yeah, I don't know. The politics of what's going on in the House, I'm not 100% sure on, because I thought McCarthy was the Trump pick, because he snuggled up to Trump. Um... Now, in the Senate, of course, Mitch McConnell is not liked by Trump. And um, so Rick Scott trying to challenge Mitch McConnell to be leader in the Senate, this is a coup attempt. This is Trump trying to flex. He's at his low point now politically. They're trying to make a move, and they're coming for the king, the king of the Republicans in the Senate. And you know the old saying, if you come for the king, you best not miss. Um I don't know, man. I don't know how Rick Scott could get the votes. I don't know. He's the head of the NRSE, um, National Republican Senatorial Committee, I guess. And so he was responsible for running the races, raising the money, running the races, allocating the funds to the different Republican Senate candidates. Look, they lost the Senate. They did a terrible job. And Rick Scott was getting criticized for using very scammy approaches to raising money, um, pissing off the base in many respects. So for this guy to be a massive failure and then to have and then to try to take McConnell's spot, apparently there was a big argument. We'll talk about that in a second. But in Axios, they say Rick Scott to challenge Mitch McConnell for Senate GOP leader. Senator Rick Scott announced at a closed door conference lunch on Tuesday that he plans to challenge Mitch McConnell for Senate GOP leader. Multiple people have told Axios the announcement came as Senate Republicans were meeting to examine their underwhelming performance in the midterm elections, during which they failed to gain enough seats to take back a majority in the chamber. Scott spokesperson McKinley Lewis and two other sources familiar with the announcement confirmed the plan to Axios. Scott, chairman of the Senate Republicans campaign arm and a member of the Senate Republican leadership, has openly feuded with McConnell for months over differing strategies for the midterm elections. Scott is also one of several Geo, uh, several conservative senators who have called on McConnell to delay the Senate GOP's leadership elections until after the Georgia runoff on December 6th. And let me pause now to say, in that debate over what the strategy should be for the midterms, McConnell was correct and Rick Scott was wrong. Um, Rick Scott said, I'm going to release this agenda, which shows what we're going to fight for. And in the list of shit, one of the things he put was, everybody's got to have skin in the game, so we're going to make everybody pay some semblance of taxes. 
that's a coded way of saying we're going to raise taxes on the poorest 50% of Americans. And what happened is the media picked up on that. Even conservative media was slamming him over that. Like, why would you run on raising taxes on the bottom 50%? What are you, crazy? Then there were other portions about effectively destroying Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, cutting them, privatizing them, whatever it may be. That was in there. And Mitch McConnell's like, look, you idiot. I agree with you on all these things, but you don't run on it. This is the stuff we say behind closed doors. You don't say this in front to people because people don't like this. We're not going to win talking about this. So McConnell's suggestion was just say nothing. Don't say anything and we'll win. It's going to be a pendulum election. Everybody will blame the Democrats. Just let us win. Just shut the fuck up and get out of your own way. And Rick Scott didn't listen. And you know what happened. Okay. Um, Senate Republicans are looking for whom to blame after losing their opportunity to reclaim power. Yeah, gee, I wonder. Uh, yeah, who's to blame on the right for this loss? Who is the party tied to and who's their de facto leader? And who's been the shadow cast over them all this time? Hmm, tough one. Despite the challenge, McConnell has repeatedly maintained he's confident he has the votes to be reelected as leader. Former President Donald Trump, meanwhile, has been pushing for Scott to run against McConnell and has tried to make McConnell the fall guy for the Republicans' inability to regain the majority. Hilarious. Trump, who plans to announce Tuesday night uh, his plans to run for president in 2024, is expected to lean hard on his Senate allies to back Scott over McConnell. So right now, I think he's got what? Cruz, Hawley... Uh, maybe a handful of others, but it's five, six people is what I read. Um, that ain't enough, dog. That is not enough. And by the way, Trump has pissed off a lot of these candidates too, these Republican candidates, because he was basically scamming them. He was, you know, raising money for their campaigns. He just did this with Herschel Walker the other day, where he'd take 90% of the money and he'd give 10% to them. So the, Rick Scott and Trump are not popular. Within the Republican Party, there's just not. Trump's way has noticeably faltered since last Tuesday's elections, with many top Republicans distancing themselves from the former president after several key GOP candidates, hand-selected by Trump, lost. In a letter to his Senate Republican colleague, Scott wrote, I'm writing to you today because I believe it's time for the Senate Republican conference to be far more bold and resolute than we have been in the past. We must start saying what we are for, not just what we are against. Turns out that was a bad idea because what you're for is unpopular. There is a Republican Party that is alive and well in communities across America. It is time there is one in Washington, D.C., too. That is why I am running to be Republican leader. Apparently, people don't like this guy either. They don't like Rick Scott. Scott's decision earlier this year to release a multi-point Republican agenda that featured new taxes infuriated McConnell, who swiftly publicly rejected it. The plan ultimately provided extensive attack fodder that President Biden leveraged in support of his party. How is Rick Scott so stupid? McConnell, meanwhile, has long believed in focusing on Democrats' shortcomings during elections and opposed putting out a legislative plan ahead of last week's midterms. Scott is, ne is now using the decision as a key tenet of why he should be made leader over McConnell. All right, so time for my favorite part of the story. This is great. I love this. Senator Rick Scott and GOP leader Mitch McConnell engaged in a tense back and forth where they criticized each other as the two men addressed Senate Republicans in a tense three-hour meeting, according to multiple senators. Quote, Senator Scott disagrees with the approach that Mitch has taken in this election and for the last couple of years, and he made that clear, and Senator McConnell criticized Senator Scott's management of the NRSC, Senator Josh Hawley told us. Oh, <laughs> uh, let him fight, baby. Let him fight. Same with Trump and DeSantis. Let him fight. Go at it. Go to town. Slit each other's throats. Tear each other apart. Do whatever you gotta do. Because the fact of the matter is, right now, these motherfuckers stand for nothing. They stand for nothing. They stand for, uh, yeah, we like that Roe versus Wade was overturned. We like that we denied the election in the last election. Um, and other than that, uh, CRT, ooga booga. 
um, trans kids in school, ooga booga. And like, that's it. That's all we got. And other than that, we're just going to rip each other apart. By all means, by all means, go right ahead. I'm certainly enjoying it very much. All right, guys, that's the show for today. I know it's kind of a short show for today. Trump's announcement kind of threw a wrench in the middle of the week. But anyway, we have a, a really, really great Crystal Kyle and Friends that's coming at you on Friday. It is, we're going to talk to Matt Stoller um, about FTX and crypto and everything that went on with Sam Bankman-Fried and that whole, just a total con artist, total fraud, everything that went down with that. We're going to dive into the specifics of it. I'm really interested to have that conversation because that's, um, it's quite the topic, right? Like crypto was originally, originally came around as like a promise to be better than the current system that we had. And then they just became the system, you know, it's, they embodied all the bad aspects of wall street. So it became an unregulated mess. And the whole thing was a, a con when it comes to FTX. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about crypto. I'm, I really can't wait to have that conversation. It should be really, really interesting. So many people got hurt in the FTX thing. I feel bad for them. Um, anyway. All right. So, so that's it guys. Uh, like subscribe, all that fun stuff. Um, Tell me I got the world's biggest ding-dong. Tell me I'm the sexiest man on planet Earth. Uh, all that great stuff. And yeah, that's it. Listen on on the podcasting apps. If, if you want, we get the full show that we put over on the podcasting apps now. So if you don't want to go video for video on YouTube, you could do that. Shout out to the Patreon supporters. Shout out to the Substack supporters. And um, try to get us to a million subs, man. I really appreciate that. Just for everybody who watched the show, subscribed to the show, we'd already be there. So, all right, guys. Love you. I'm out. Peace.